Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Hi, thank you for joining me once again for Shelf Life and welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, my guest is Will Brown, a good friend of mine who is Jamaican by birth and heritage, but he lives in St. Martin with his beautiful family. He's a business consultant and a whole long list of other things that have followed him throughout his life and his career. But the thing that he's most proud of and happiest of is his new book. And it's called A Great Fight is the Product of Great Faith. And that's because he's a man of great faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this while I have this conversation with Will Brown. Will, it is so good to see you. Thank you for joining me on Shelf Life. Um, it's been a long time coming. This book has been a while in the making. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long, a long time. It's like giving birth. Uh, almost like a seven-year birth period. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's finally here and I got a chance to read it. And I must tell you, I've known you for a long time. Them things I never know about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all have our hidden hidden secrets or, or things. Yeah, that... and mine, mine are in a closet. And yeah. the closet is closed. And there's <laughs> a padlock on the outside. And I've thrown away the key. You so know. there they will stay. But before we even get into the book, the book is Great Fight is a Product of Great Faith. And, you know, before we even get into the book, I want to talk about you because there's so much that I learned about Will Brown that I did not know. So tell, tell my viewers something about you, where you come from. We know you come from Jamaica. What was life like for you growing up? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, it, to me, it, whatever you, you environment you're in, you consider it normal, even if it's dysfunctional, you consider it normal mm -hmm. because you don't know any better. You have not been exposed to any better. Um, you see people, a lot of people doing things around you and you know, you ex accept it for what it is because as I said, you are still in a growing process. So mm -hmm. I was in that environment where, you know, I was very self-aware from a very young age. So I was always noticing things, why people do things, how they do it you know, how it affects me and who's looking out for me, who's not looking out for me, who, how do I protect myself mm -hmm. without being, without showing anger or violence or disrespect? Because uh, that was a big thing back home when the kids okay. would be seen and not heard. And so I became very, very self-aware from a very young age, even in a dysfunctional environment without realizing how dysfunctional it was because it, it was, was a, a form of what I call self-preservation. Right. But where did you grow up? Where in Jamaica? I was born in Kingston, actually. Um, I spent my, a couple of years there. My mom you know, was struggling and she went and brought me back to my great, great grandmother. So my grandmother's mm -hmm. mother is the one that actually is responsible for grooming, growing me and okay. coming out. Of, and that was that was done in Clarendon in, in an area called Beer, way back in the bush. You know, and, and it's, not, so, it's not so much bush anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, where there is where I'm from is a place called Water Lane, which is way past okay. Hazen 
past race course and alley and going down in that area, that's how far back it is. Wow. Okay, so country, country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Deep so it was fun. It was fun. It was. It had its ups and downs, but mm -hmm. as kids, you know, you can make anything fun. Yes. That doesn't mean. Yes, that, that is true. Mean, that is true. Yeah, it may be dysfunctional, but you can still find fun. You look for but the fun part. You don't look at the bad parts. As you talk about dysfunction, you know, in your book, you talk about um, just the fact that you grew up hearing all all negatives in your life. Mm -hmm. You know um, that you know you weren't going to come to anything, and this is just such a such a such a thing that happens a lot, or yes. used to happen a lot in our culture, where you know instead of speaking positive into our children's lives, we were always right. speaking all these negative things into our children's lives and telling them they weren't going to be anything. And for a man, the, the will I know, <laughs> the successful will I know, to hear that that is what you came from made a huge difference in the reading of the book for me, that I right. um, was able to really identify with what you went through as a child, not because I heard it myself, but because I know so many people who heard that and use that to propel them forward. And that's a big part of what this book is about. I think the thing about growing up in that environment is that I, I learned later on in life that, you know, there's a, there's a phrase I used to hear people say, hurt people hurt people. Yes. You're growing up around people who they themselves were, didn't know any better. And, and they didn't know that they were also dysfunctional. So right. they're passing on to you what was given, the only thing they have, they were given. So they don't, they, they don't have a lot of tools in their repertoire mm -hmm. to say, don't do this, don't do that. Right. So the minute they don't see a child lining up the way they think a child should line up, um, they, they're quick to put stigma on them. Mm -hmm. You're this, or you're that, or you're this, or you can, I, I saw one time they're given a, a six-year-old a, a to chore to do that should be done by a 12 or 15 year old mm -hmm. and that kid struggled to do it and the main right. fact he was struggling they stigmatize him for that say so he should have been able to do abc and then they say well when i was your age mm. da, 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 da. and i'm like i know you didn't do this at your age but now you you're something? turning it back I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase when I was your age. Hate that <laughs> phrase because you and I are not the same person. No, no. And what I could do at 10, you might not have been able to do. And what you were able to do at 13, I might not have been able to do because we're all individuals. And like you, I was different. Mm -hmm. I was different. And because I was different, it was hard to understand who I was. And it took, it took my family a long time to finally grasp this, this yeah. person behind this crazy head here. Um, you know, it took them a while. And so you learned early the power of words and what words could be. I, I did uh, because I, I don't know where I picked it up from. And my mom always said to me, she doesn't understand where I have this tenacity from to just not accept what people say about who I am. Um, you know, the thing about it is that I just, for some reason, when I was young, they're telling me, I won't be this, I won't be that, I can't do this, I can't do that. There was a voice inside of me that keeps saying, I will prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. That was a, the biggest phrase. I am going to one day prove you wrong. So even as, as soon as the exterior voice comes out of their mouth, the voice inside of me keeps saying, one day you will prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. 
And I keep reflecting to one experience I wrote about in the book that 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 was a defining moment for me when you know I was in a place where they were ridiculing me and I was sitting on the step of my grandmother's house and they were talking about because as I said I was an HDH kid and back right. then nobody knew what attention deficit is all about as I said to my grandmother she just said to me she took me to the doctor to get an injection for it Yes, that was I read I would, that and I was like an injection to do what to, to they stop didn't you know from any being better. a kid. Listen to me, I was a my anybody will know me will tell you I was a super active kid. I couldn't sit still for nothing. I I get beaten more than anybody else. <laughs> Just for not sitting still. <laughs> you know, I, Can I identify I, with that? <laughs> the yeah, not sitting I, still. It's just that was just the nature. And I didn't I didn't take I was smart, but I didn't take the books the way other kids took to books. Mm -hmm. I remember one my class, I think it was third grade, I got a, a, they used to give you a little gift if you come in first or second in your class. And I came second in my class and I got a little painting set. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing it home to my grandmother and showing it to her. And she said, are you sure they're right? <laughs> and that comment alone, you know, why did they give it to you? They don't, like she knew me better than my teacher knew yeah. me. And like and you so, couldn't like, deserve it. No. And I just looked at it and I just like shook my head and just sat down. I remember sitting down for days just looking at it because I, the first time I ever got an award for something. Wow. Did, and I didn't, I just, just did it naturally. And so you, you're starting to see the demographic. You're like, why people say that? You don't, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't do anything for you to say that. I didn't do anything for you to do that. Right. And so you start asking those questions and, and, so my, my self-awareness came very young and, and realized the, 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 the impact of negative words if right. I allow them to take root. And that's what I didn't do. I didn't allow it to take root. And, and that's important because I think in that way, we're similar. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had too many things that I could do and do well, and I was here and there. And, you know, inside, it's a, I have a friend of mine who says inside my head is a bad neighborhood. Um, <laughs> I think inside my head is a crazy neighborhood. You know, you don't want you don't want to live up there. I don't want to live up there. And I so think that's it's the, hard the for people to grasp that. I think that's an issue. Multi-talented people like you and I have. We are good at too many things mm -hmm. and people cannot accept that. They want to pigeonhole you real mm -hmm. quickly and start pointing to the direction in which they think you should go at a very early age. And if you say something different from what they mm -hmm. think, then they try to crush that idea right. and say, no, you should do this. And, and that's something that a lot of, and I don't think my, my story is any unique because I've talked to a lot of people from the Caribbean have gone to very, very similar, similar stories. So I did for a while, I didn't think it was nothing special about it. But as I keep talking to people and they say, listen, you need to tell people, teach them how you overcame. Mm -hmm. and how you were able to do this and I tell them a couple of things happened the right people came into my life mm -hmm. and say the right things and One God time, came into your life yeah Lord I, I was aware of who he is from a very young age yeah yeah there's something different here well you know okay so let's talk a little bit about this book here because the title of the book is great fight great fight is the product of great faith and when I saw it at first I thought shouldn't it be the other way around great faith produces a great fight Explain why you flipped that. Okay. The original, actually, that was not the original title for the book. <laughs> that book was actually rewritten twice. Okay. That's why I said it takes seven years to come out. When I wrote, it was first called The Giant Within. Okay. 
All right. Now that came from a, that, that that title mirrored a book I really liked, Anthony Robinson called The Giant Within. So I knew I could I could eventually come out with that name. But the idea was basically a talk about the inner man and the strength right. of the inner man. When I wrote the book originally, I gave it to a doctor friend of mine to read. And after four chapters in, she called me. <laughs> she says, you need to sit down and talk to your family about this before you release this book. And I'm like, why? Because she knows me very, very well. And she knows mm -hmm. my family extremely well. So it was not off-centered when she said it. I said, why? She said, because you're disclosing a lot of stuff here. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right. So I stopped. And I put it down, put the book down for about a year or so. And I started thinking about it. I said, do I really need to dredge up the whole stories with them? Because I, I had the feeling that most of them, if I talk to certain people, some of them have already died. Let's put it to you mm -hmm. that way. So I can't talk to them. Right. And some of the ones might not even remember some of the incidents. And, and so some the, people I, will deny that these yeah, things ever yeah. happened. Right. Exactly. So I realized the problem was not with them. The problem was me. I, I was angry for a, lot of, for a long time with a lot of people in my family, including my mom. And I had to come to that place where I had to release and let go right. and forgive. And me holding on to it was not going to solve the problem or right. make it any better. I came across an interview that was done by um, Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. And after he came out of prison and the man asked him about, you know, now for the years they put him in prison for what he believes in and does he hold any grudge or animosity or envy? And he made one statement that transformed my entire thinking. He says, having grudge and envy and jealousy is like a man drinking a poison and expecting the other man to die. Mm hmm. That, that that's a brilliant that's a brilliant brilliant statement, and I remember that. I, I that that alone. That's all you had. That's all I needed to hear. I'm that type of person who will hear one phrase and it just shakes up everything around. Mm -hmm. And that made me rewrite the book. And when I did it this time, I remove the characters from it. Okay. And and so and but I didn't move the essence of what I was right. trying to say. I removed the characters and their names so that they implicate anyone or expose right. anyone. But I needed to make sure people understand the experience so they can see the, the transformation and the evolution of me through right. this process and how it can benefit them. If and it, and it, it's, been, the it's been quite an evolution because you've gone yeah. through many, many stages. And in this book, yeah. you know what, what it really is about is about teaching people how you overcame a lot of negativity, right. a lot of difficulty. Right and how God worked in your life. I want, to, um, I want to read a quick quote. Words are powerful, words are descriptive, words are creative. The Bible says God spoke words and the world was formed. In our society today, words are being used as weapons. Words are used to cause fear, hatred, and separation. We must make sure that when we use our weapons called words, we use it to uplift others. And I think it's so important that we teach people the power of words, you know. Now you go on to talk about things like manifestation, the power of manifestation. And I want to talk about that in particular because in recent years, there's been all this stuff. It's very new age, it's very hip, it's very, you know, about speaking things into being and manifesting things that don't exist and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the Bible talks about speaking things into being as well. But there's just been this whole new movement about manifesting things. And you talk about that in your book as well. How do you translate 
you personally manifesting things into being with what God's will is with your faith and um, how does that all work? Is it that it's part of the destiny that you that was created for you and you're now just stepping into it? So how does that work? You know, but how do you how, how do you put all of that together? Here's a I want to I want to say it in one simple way to understand this. That manifestation is a big topic in our culture today. Everybody wants to manifest, 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 manifest. But if you look at the statistics, they'll tell you that 95 to 98% of the people who go on that, that journey of manifestation never has it happen. Mm -hmm. Because I will say this without any reservation, manifestation without God does not exist. Ah, say it again, say it again. <laughs> manifestation without God doesn't exist. Because remember, the things you're looking for, you need him to help you to manifest it in your life. Manifestation in the cultural sense is trying to talk to you about self-empowerment. Mm -hmm. And you can do it all by yourself and you don't need anyone. That's the big lie right there. You do need God for this. Okay. You, you can meditate all you want. and you If you didn't have the strength to pull you from where you are to where you want to be already, you know you need some divine intervention to get you where you need to be. You need some spiritual insight to get you where you need to be. You need to know the God that is able to do all things and nothing is impossible for mm -hmm. him. That means if you're relying on your own strength to do this, and up till this point, with all the, all the meditations and all the things they tell you to do, you still can't do it, then you realize that something is missing. So when and I you're, use You're that, missing the source. Exactly. You're disconnecting your source to let yourself believe that I don't need a source. I can do it by myself. And right. that's the biggest lie you're being told. And you went through that. You yeah. went through that period as well, right? Where you, yeah, I did. you, you, I you did. did all the, the, I can do it I, and just believe listen, it. I, I, I learned a lot out of those sessions I went, I went through. I learned a lot about myself. I learned about you know, who I am and my self-confidence, what, what the frame, the, the pieces of the puzzle that makes me who I am. And that's why my relationship now with God is so, so solid and so, so much fun because I have realized that me, myself, and I cannot do mm -hmm. or fulfill the purpose that I am called here to do. I need him to complete this puzzle. And so the, have, the, and so the book is, what I loved about it is that it, Del it deals with real, real ideas, right. you know, like the right. real idea of speaking things into being, but it also right. talks about how God is important in that yeah. speaking because he is the source. He provides exactly. these things. Yeah. And you talk about vision boarding, which I have taught vision boarding, but um, how do you get these things? And that, I guess, is why the great faith is needed. Yeah. I give a good, good idea with the title. The title I played with for a while. And I thought I was reading the story of David. Mm -hmm. And the story of David got my attention, not because he chopped off Goliath's head. It's because of the speech he made right before he did that. He, he looked at a giant and said to him, his God. Now, and this is the, I, look, I put myself in that position because I, I would have been talking about a position of confidence and boldness. Mm -hmm. Has helped me to defeat lion and bear. So this, this faith walk is not new. I have fought some fight before. And because of the fight I've fought before, I have confidence in the God that's brought me through that. Right. To know that I can beat you. And David didn't just tell him, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take your own sword 
and cut off your head. So he declared his victory and his outcome before he even moved towards him. And, and that's speaking it in mean. Right. And he only did it because of his faith in the God he has already tried and proven before. Ah. Oh. That, that's, that's true. So we have to remember part of one of, right. the, one of the lessons here is to remember what God has done before. Exactly. You know, one of my favorite all-time gospel songs is that song that says he'll do it again. Right. You know, just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. If he came through before, then he's going to come through again and he can come through again right. is what you're basically saying. So your self-confidence you is not in you. No, how can you trust a God you have never tried? Think about that. If I am, I am one of them guys who always tell people, put my faith to the test because I have to prove that the God I'm serving is real as I say he is. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be a faith believer, put, put your faith to the test. And you have to understand that this is not a wishing well where you drop a coin in and expect that God is going to give it to you. Right. It doesn't happen that way. Whenever you go to God about a specific situation, one of the first things you start doing is coming up with strategy. Because you already see your end from your beginning. The Holy Spirit started giving you strategy because he realized that you might want to lift a hundred pound weight, but you're not capable to do it right where you are. So I have to build you up to that place where you're mm -hmm. able to lift the weight you want to carry. So whatever process he decides that he wants to take you through, you have to be willing to go through it because you already have asked him to help you with an outcome that you're working on. Right, and the, and the outcome requires a process. And that is part of one of the things that we don't like to do. We don't like to do the process and we don't trust. I wrote about process. that in the book. Yes. I wrote, believers do not like to be processed. We don't and, and like the fact that to become a diamond, the coal has to go under pressure for a long time it has to come out, it has to be cut, it has to be polished, the gold has to be fired and molded. We don't like that. But in your book, you help us to realize just yeah. how to go through this process and how to trust the process. I never ask God, why me? I always say, I'm like, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not me? When things happen to me, why me? I don't do that. I'm like, why not me? There's something he wants me to learn, something he wants me to see that I'm not seeing it because of the direction I'm being, my head is turned. Right. So I got to turn your head a different way so you can see what I'm doing. And when you see what God's doing, then you start getting the evolution of yourself because now you start growing into that person right. that he's right. called you to be, You're evolving. You know, I was called, when, when I got called to write years ago, I said, no. I'm telling anyone that my wife will look at me and tell me, yeah, he said no. Because I didn't, you know, I, I tell people, I, I don't want my intellect to be in, in this. I want I want to really be guided and, and governed by the Holy Spirit on this whole mm -hmm. journey. So I told God, I said, tell you what, I'll be the pen and the, I'll be the, the, the writer. And you give me the inspiration. Tell me what right. you want to write. And I start, and I realized that the first thing he did was help me to purge. Okay. That book is a purge. Okay. Since that book has been written, I have already written five other books sitting in the back burner. But this because one had to come out first. Yes, because I, when you had the release to do this, and I sat on it for a while, I, that book was written for a long time, and I couldn't get the unction to release it. And I went through a process earlier on this year that gave me that release. And when I got it, 
the wife and I sat down and said, okay, let's go. Because my wife has been pushing me for a long time. I know. I know. I love her to death. Her chat says that's how she does it. She said, Will, you got to get this out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she never stopped pushing me until we got to this place. Well, that's and wonderful. That's so what, what do you hope people will take from this book? What are, what are some of the life lessons you want people to learn from this book? And who are you targeting? I'm targeting anyone that's going through anything. And I, there's a quote in the book. It was supposed to be on the front of the book, but I got it put in the, in the, in the inside. It says, what's inside of you is bigger than the giant standing in front of you. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm like, I like quotes. I'm a person, I like quotes that make people think. Because right. I believe a thinking man is, will get some things done. So when I lay a quote like that out in front of someone says, what's inside of you mm -hmm. is bigger than the giants in front of you. Now your giant might be sickness. Your giant might be financial. Your giant might be family. It might be anything. Right. But regardless of the size of the problem, what you have inside of you, if you lean on the one who's the source of who you are, right. it says he will walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. That means there's nothing he won't take you through. So I hope that with this book, people will get strategies for different, because if you notice how I wrote the book, I didn't, I wrote it on like writing a bunch of different topics. Right. I took a topic, right? I, I felt that was the way I wanted to go with it. And those are all topics that, that address, that I see in my personal life. I address marriage. I address right. ministry. I have a friend of mine that read the marriage chapter of that book and she's like, I need to get my husband to read this. And I'm laughing. I'm like, okay, hopefully you'll be all right. But so there, there's something in there for everybody. Yeah, because the thing is about marriage is that sometimes with men, our egos get ahead of us. And mm -hmm. sometimes we got to learn to get ego out of the way. Your wife being in front of you does not mean that you're less of a man. Or if she's you know, making more money or whatever it is. Your man is based on you knowing what your position is. Sometimes your position has to be in the back, not in the right. front or next to the person, right. but that doesn't negate your position as long as you know your position, the responsibilities of your position, and you play that position, not play where your position, you play right. the position. But the position, then, not where it is. Exactly, and so a lot of times, you know, I wrote about different things that I did um, when it comes to my early stages of my marriage, that somebody said to me, boy, that took guts to do it. I said, no, it didn't really, because I'm not being led by myself. I mean, led by the Holy Spirit. So when certain moves are being made, my ego is already out the door. Mm -hmm. I am the, the, the true me saying, I'm going to move this way because this is where God wants me to move. And if I have to put my stuff aside and shuffle it off and put my wife and her situation up front, that's what's going to happen. Because mm -hmm. the results are what I'm looking for, not my ego to be stroked based on my position. And, and there's nothing wrong with um, revealing information. No. Because it's not who you are anymore. I always, exactly. I always think that if I can, if what what I've been through can help you, then I have no problem talking about it. I have no problem revealing it because, you know, we're put on this earth to help each other. You know, what what other purpose do we really serve? Let's face it, apart from breathing air. So, you know, I think it's really cool that you have shared so much of yourself and your life in here. And the, the other thing that I really wanted to talk about, which a lot of people don't seem to realize, and I was happy that you put this in here and it really popped out at me, is that God works in seasons, not in time. <laughs> 
Um, and mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because I have a book called Time and Seasons. It's now right. an audiobook. I don't have it in print anymore. But um, Time and Seasons. And it's all about the, the same thing. The fact that yeah. your life is, runs in seasons. It's mm -hmm. not in time. And seasons are different for different people. Right. You know, my season of grief may last six years. Your season of grief may last two, six months because it's all about seasons and not about time. When we start measuring ourselves in time, then we see the years pass that we don't accomplish anything. When we start measuring in seasons, you start looking at how long it takes you to get over your grief, mm -hmm. to go to the stage of healing, mm -hmm. where you'll get to the stage of empowerment and growth and development. So you can do it quickly or it can take you a little time. Sometimes you need to talk it out. And sometimes a conversation, sometimes it has to be with yourself. Because mm -hmm. sometimes people like to go back and say, I want to go back and confront this. You're going to stop and say, wait a minute. Is the confrontation going to become adversarial or is it going to become beneficial? Are both parties going to come to the acknowledgement that something went wrong? And we're both in agreement to forgive and forget and heal and move on. Or we're going to come out being more angry because we now divulge more stuff that we need right. before that holds back the process of healing. Mm -hmm. So when I was going through that thinking, I said, you know something, let me first, I'm always a guy who puts me under the microscope first. Mm -hmm. I always put me under the microscope first and I, I, I dissect me and take me apart and see all the components. And I'm, I try not to be biased in any way. Whatever I see, if, if it's a real, then I have to say it's real. I got to deal with it. And when I'm done, then I start putting it back together. And when I'm done, even putting it back, I have to ask myself, if I see this person again or in a situation with this person, is that is going to, is that that hurt it? It is going to rile up that let me lose out on the blessing that might be in that environment for me because I'm worried about that situation or that or circumstance. So I try to make sure that I'm 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 clear my 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 con my my conduit between me and my God is always clear. There's no hindrance, there's no unforgiveness, no anger, no animosity. That communication of relationship between me and God has to be always smooth. Right. You know, whenever things start stepping in then there, then I start having issues and I just right. like, I gotta do it. Anyway. So that's more that's the important part of this whole process that this is about a relationship with you and God. Okay. This is about building a relationship that will last a test, last a test of time and help you to evolve and become who he has called you to be. And, and, not it's about, to let, and it's about that relationship and how it fits into your success. And success, exactly. success not necessarily being monetary or financial success, it's success as a person. Um, right. When I talk about success, I like to always make sure I'm talking about success as a person, not as money and um, yeah. financial gain, you know. I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this, because there's a part I think I had it in the book where it talks about success. And I said, this is how people measure success. If you as a person decided when you were young that you wanted to become a school teacher, and you studied real hard, I think I mentioned it in the book, mm -hmm. you studied real hard, you went to school, you get all your accreditation, and now you're teaching, like a teacher in a classroom you're successful. Yes. Although teachers may be the most underpaid profession out there. But you, you reached your, your success goal. Is not, exactly. It's not measured on what your salary is. You've reached yeah. your goal. If you yeah. wanted to be a doctor and you did, you did just that, you've reached your goal. You reached your if goal. you said you wanted to be a mechanic, you're successful. Now, where you go from that spot 
is going to be based on your character or the quality of work that you perform. And if you love what you do, the best will always come out of you. And people will see that and pay you what you're worth. Well, Will, we could go on all day, but we don't have all day. And I want people to actually get the book. Um, yes. The book comes out in October of this October year. Um, yes, it comes out this year in October and you, it will be available everywhere you get books. It's called A Great Fight is the, is a product of great faith. He is Wilfred A. Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to look for that book because I'm telling you, there's some life changing stuff inside there. Like seriously, like I've gone through a lot of, um, personal work on myself and there is some very good life-changing stuff inside there if you're going through anything at all there's a lesson you can get not just from will's life but from the things that he's written down in this book there are exercises in there things that he tells you to do and if you take it seriously i'm telling you you can actually help to change your whole mindset em emancipate that mental slavery though get rid of some of that gunk that's running around inside your head right. with this book a great fight is a product of great faith. Thank you so much, Will, for spending time with me this morning on Shelf Life. I look forward to when COVID finished, to seeing you and your beautiful family and coming down to St. Martin and hanging out for a little while because I really like it down there. Um, <laughs> and You're welcome with, anytime. Stay safe, take care, and bless up. Bless up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with me on Shelf Life today. I'll see you again next week, same place, same time for some more shelf life and we'll see what else I got hanging out on my shelf. Walk good and blessings. Stay safe. Thank you. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. The video of this interview is available on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Visit my website at jfallonreed.com and you can download your copy of my free audiobook, Time and Seasons. And remember to subscribe to my other podcast, Exchanging Pain for Praise.